Amen. Well, last week we started a series, Sun Ripened. It's going to be on the fruit of the Spirit. But we started this series with a simple question. It was just this. What does it mean to be a Christian? Or what does a Christian look like, right? I mean, just the ABCs of the faith. What do you look like? What do you smell like? What do you talk like? What do you sound like? Act like? All those things. I'd encourage you, if you missed last Sunday, go to the podcast, listen to it, either on the website or uh, you can go on iTunes and, and subscribe to the podcast. I think it's a message that many of us, especially um, in the season that we're in right now as a church, we, we need to listen and be encouraged by that message. And last week really was the foundation of what we'll be talking about over the next couple of months. The idea of sun ripened is that as Christians and as disciples of Christ, we are continually being changed by Christ. Continually being changed. So when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that's only the beginning of the transformation that begins to take place in our lives. It's not the end. It's the beginning. And then the glory of being a Christian and the Holy Spirit being in us is that we are then ripened by the Lord. As He shines on us, as the sun does a good work in us and through us, we are all transformed into who we were created to be. Always in the process of being ripened by the sun. I think it's important that we understand this, but I also think it's important that we expect this to happen in our lives. I mean, do you expect that to happen in your life? As you live the Christian life, do you expect to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit in you? Is that an expectation that you have? I think, I think it's important that it would be an expectation. Because sometimes, I've observed, you've probably observed as well, it looks like the conversion experience. So the moment that we become Christians, it's like the final thing we do as Christians. Right? We, we accept our, Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, but then we kind of just get to coast our way through the rest of life on earth until we go to heaven. Right? You just kind of, yeah, I got Jesus, put him in my back pocket, now I can just kind of live my life. We all know people like that. Maybe you're living that way currently here this morning. And it's the idea that there was a day, right, 5, 10, 20 years ago, you made that decision to follow Jesus, but then when you went back, after that, you went back to living the same way you've always lived. But... Even as I say that, I mean, we all, I hope, hopefully understand, that's not the Christian life. It's not the end all, it's the beginning. It's only the beginning. Once you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, everything becomes new. Everything becomes new. And then if you really are living the Christian life, and if you have ever led someone to, you know, salvation, or, you know, led them through the sinner's prayer or something like that, often what do you do? You just put your hand on them and you're like, buckle up, buddy. Because you're about to enter the biggest adventure Right? The biggest, glorious, most painful, difficult, happy, sad, rich, satisfying, scary adventure that man could ever, could ever be called to. It's, uh, we were at that, at that uh, picnic. And have you seen the booth where the, they say, are you going to heaven? Those booths always kind of make me a little nervous because they seem you know, a, little, a little aggressive, right? And, but here's a little, I'm probably a 10-year-old boy. And I'm, you know, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, what are they doing? And the guy's explaining sin, and the boy's listening, and the guy's explaining what Jesus did, and the boy's listening. And then he says, do you want to pray to the Lord and ask him into your heart? And the boy says, yeah. And so then he grabs the boy's hand, and he holds the boy's hand. Again, I'm kind of, I don't know, but boy's hand. And then the boy just starts praying the sinner's prayer and starts asking Jesus into his life. And then I'm just like, oh, my goodness, sorry for my judgment, God. I'm sorry. Bless them, bless them, bless them. But this... 
ten-year-old boy gave his life to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I just, oh. And I, I, Mary, I sat down with Mary. I go, do you realize that that boy right now is giving his life to Jesus Christ? She's like, I know, it's awesome. Like, we were just, you know, you're freaking, it's so awesome. But one of the things that when you accept Jesus, it's just like, hey, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. In fact, it might get harder, but it's going to be amazing. It's going to be satisfying. It's going to be rich. It's going to be an adventure. It's not the end. It's only the beginning. Listen to what Paul says. Uh, he says, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all. They're talking about Jesus. That those who live might no longer live for themselves. This is important. No longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. See, now we're living for Jesus. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I love that. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. And then He gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. Wow! We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He's talking about Jesus. So that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So he's calling us to something new. New. The, the passage tells us he's calling us into something new. He's calling us into a ministry of reconciliation where we tell the world that through Jesus, they can be reconciled back to God, which is really big news, by the way. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. That we are now ambassadors for Christ. Did you know that? That you are an ambassador for Christ, representing Christ to the world. God is making his appeal to the nations through us. This is new. How do you see that? I mean, it's new. This is 180 degrees different from the life that you were living. Again, you can't just accept Jesus, tack on Jesus and remain the same. This is new. This is a game changer. Much different than how many of us treat the conversion experience. Kind of like he's that eternal life insurance card or the get out of hell free card, right? It's, it's, it's not that at all. Paul's telling us something much different. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we, when we put our faith in his blood that covers our sins, not only covers our sins, but takes away our sins, that we are brought into new life, new life, not, not to back to the old ways. We, we prayed out a lady last week who's been in rehab for the last six months and she came up here from California. And she's going back into uh, back, you know, where she came from. And I just prayed over this isn't going back to your old ways. This isn't going back to your old patterns. This isn't going back to your old life. This is new. This is new. We got to understand that. This is a new life that God has called us to. And today I want to share two extremely important elements to this newness that when it comes to being a Christian, there's probably more than two elements. I'm just going to share two today. But number one, like we read in the passage, through Jesus. We have been reconciled back to God. Reconciled back to God. I want to talk about that a little bit. I, I, just that we as a church, especially those of us that are here, that we would never take that for granted. This is amazing. I mean, if you remember way back at the beginning of human history, we have Adam and we have Eve. And their sin, it removed us from the Garden of Eden, from His presence. The Bible tells us that in our sin, we are hostile toward God, that we were enemies of God. 
So there's this separation between us and God. But in God's unfailing love, He desired to be reconciled back to His people. How amazing the love of God is. So here's what happens. Jesus died for our sins, so the sins might be removed, making a way for that reconciliation. Romans 5.10, many of you know this verse. It says, while we were God's enemies, while we were God's enemies, hostile toward God, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. It's beautiful what Jesus has done for us. And, and Jesus had to do that. Jesus had to die. Remember, God is perfectly holy. He's perfectly righteous. In His perfection, He cannot tolerate sin in His presence. Only that which is holy and undefiled and righteous could ever be in His presence. So Jesus comes along, makes a way for us, but there seemed to be no way. And as I read earlier, it says, For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. Right? He was the perfect Lamb of God. Made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him, in Jesus... Every one of us in this room who profess Him as, his Lord, as our Lord and Savior, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus made a way. When Jesus were declared righteous, Hebrews 10, 10, it tells us this. It says, for God's will for us was that we would be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Guilty in our sins, but now washed by the blood of the Lamb, and thus declared righteous and made holy. It's important for us to understand what Jesus has done for us. That what separated us from relationship with God, this is the good news of Jesus Christ, it no longer separates us. It no longer separates us. The veil is torn. As Christians, we now have a relationship with God. A relationship with God. And again, Adam and Eve... They have a relationship with God? Absolutely, they did. They walked with the Lord. It was ruined by rebellion and sin. But now Scripture is telling us relationship has been restored through Jesus. We have relationship once again with the Father, reconciled back to God. Now I want, to, I want you to think about some of the relationships that you have in your life, especially the ones that are healthy, because some of us have some pretty dysfunctional relationships. But just think about any healthy relationship you've ever been a part of. A healthy relationship is a living relationship, right? It moves and it breathes and it grows. Relationships, healthy relationships, they grow. And since we now have a relationship with God, if it's healthy, it is impossible. Listen, it is impossible to remain the same as a Christian. Because healthy relationships grow. I have serious concerns for anyone who does not seem to be changing to be more like Christ as they walk with Christ. From an outsider's perspective, I would say you are in a dysfunctional relationship. Because we read in Scripture that our relationship with God always makes us more like Jesus. The book of Romans chapter 8 tells us that we are chosen to become like God's Son. 1 John 2, 6 tells us those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So you should look like Jesus. Colossians 2, 6, 7, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him having been firmly rooted and now being built up 
in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Colossians 1, 9, 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing, increasing, increasing in the knowledge of God. So to be a Christian is to walk in the Lord, to be in the Lord, to walk with Him and to grow with Him. Sinners deserving death, but now believing in Jesus, reconciled back to God. We now have a relationship with God. It's a relationship that calls us to share with others this message of reconciliation. With those you love, just sharing this good news of reconciliation. It's a relationship that now makes us ambassadors for Christ, representatives for Christ. And it's a relationship that changes us every day to become more like Christ. So part of the newness of being a Christian is that we've been reconciled back to God. We now have a relationship with Him. That's number one. Number two, this newness, it includes a walk with the Holy Spirit. A walk with the Holy Spirit. When the old is gone and the new has come, part of the newness is the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 2 Corinthians 21, 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us. And listen to this. He put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That's what happened when you became a Christian. He set his seal of ownership on it. That one's mine. And he put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Holy Spirit is a seal on our hearts. That means it's kind of like a down payment for heaven. It's letting everybody know you belong to God. Yeah, forever and ever and ever. You belong to God. You're God. You know, if, if there's really Peter at the gates, he's like, yeah, you got the Holy Spirit. You're in. So that's the conversion experience. God puts His Spirit in your heart. But then you also find in Scriptures what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you got to love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I am so into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is when you receive the Holy Spirit in fullness. This is where it's more than just that ticket to get into heaven. This is where you give the Spirit permission to flood your soul. Right? If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit's already there, but you give Him permission to truly have His way in your life. You give Him permission. Because here's the deal. God is a God of love. God is a God of relationship. So He's not going to force the Holy Spirit upon you. Right? He's not going to force upon you as if He was a dictator. Or control you as if you were a robot. No. God is a God of love. He wants a relationship with you. The Holy Spirit comes in as a helper. As a comforter. As a guide. He's the one that comes alongside the paraclete. He's a teacher. But you have to give Him permission to be all that He wants to be. In your life. And we call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is when the adventure of the Christian life really comes alive. The Spirit's poured out. People begin to speak in other tongues. You receive your prayer language. You receive gifts like you'd never had before. Gifts of prophecy and healing and teaching and wisdom, knowledge, discernment, miracles. The Christian walk comes alive. And with these gifts that the Spirit gives. This is the beauty of the gifts of the Spirit for me. I don't know if you agree or not, but... Uh, What I like about this, we don't really get to choose which gifts we get. I think that's awesome. That it's it's on the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit gives out according to His will. 
I love that. Romans 12, 6 says this. In His grace, so it's a grace gift. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. We don't get to choose which ones we get, but the Bible goes on to say, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And by the way, the minute we read those verses, you just think about doing it inside the church. These gifts aren't just for on an hour on Sunday morning. These are the gifts that God's given you for your life. Wherever you might be living, wherever you might be growing, God is asking you to exercise these gifts. And the reason I get so excited about the baptism is when, I don't know about you, I want to see a healthy body of Christ on display, right? I want to see a healthy body of Christ moving and breathing and living. But a healthy body of Christ can only happen where each person has been baptized in the Holy Spirit and is now being obedient to the gifts that God has given them. Right? Because if He gives, according to His grace, and then we all begin to exercise those gifts, obedient, you'll see a healthy body of Christ rise up. And I'm not talking about, this isn't, I'm not talking about exercising your natural ability. I'm not talking about, you know, just like your talent. I'm talking about receiving a gift by God's grace. It's a gift that God gives you by His Holy Spirit, then you exercise the gift. It's the kind of idea when you're like, wow, like, if you've been a Christian long, long enough, you've had this experience, you're like, man, I don't even know where that came from, right? Like, what just happened? But you know what happened is the Lord worked in you and through you. Right? He gave you what you needed to do what He called you to do. You know, I've been a pastor, I had been a pastor for eight years before I became a senior pastor three years ago. And in those eight years, I had preached a grand total of three times. Uno, dos, tres. Three times in eight years. So, and Mary and I laugh about it now, but three years ago when I told her, hey, Mary, I might be you know, appointed as the senior pastor, uh, she just laughed. <laughs> she was like, you can't be a senior pastor. You don't preach. Like, no one anywhere at any time had ever accused me of being a preacher. No one said, wow, Dan, you should really preach more. Like, those words had never been spoken. But when I was appointed, the Lord touched me by His Spirit. He gave me what I needed to do, what He called me to do. And if you've been walking with the Lord, you have the same story, don't you? You have that story of like, it's on God. This one's on God, right? I'm blaming God and His grace and His gifts. This one is on God. Again, Spirit poured out on us, giving us the gifts we need to do what He's called us to do. And our response as He pours out His Spirit our response is what we did today. I mean, it's, it's just praise and worship and thankfulness and gratitude. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you've given me. And we just we begin to praise His name. We worship the Lord. And then what happens is we do that. We grow. And we grow in our faith. And we grow in our walk with Jesus. All by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian... It's just, again, I want you to hear this. It's only the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of a glorious adventure full of transformation, full of change. You do not say the same. You can't go back to your old ways. It's new. Everything old is gone. The new has come. You are now part of an active body of Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit is giving you gifts, and you're exercising the gifts that God has given you. Ephesians 2.10 now is all over your life. You cannot escape Ephesians 2.10, for you are His workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
you were created to do some things for the Lord, which God prepared in advance for you to do. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he's got some things for you to get done. Not the end, it's the beginning. Just the recap. Number one, conversion experience. When you become a Christian, reconcile back to God. In relationship with Him now because of all that Jesus has done for you. To make you holy. To declare you righteous by His sacrifice for your sins. Number two, as a new creation, you have the seal of the Holy Spirit on your heart. Guaranteeing you a life forever and ever with the Lord. And when you give the Holy Spirit permission to have His way in your life, you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit where He floods you with His presence, giving you gifts, stirring you up to use those gifts according to His will. That makes sense. I want to make it really clear, simple this morning. Because I, I just feel like some people around me are struggling in this Christian life. Just tossed to and fro, up and down. Like, we've got to get our bearings here, church. We've we got to work on this foundation here. Because I'm seeing my friends just acting like the sky has fallen. But come on now. You are with the Lord. The Lord is with you. He is giving you exactly what you need. To do what he's called you to do. Second Peter 1.3 By his divine power you have everything you need to live a godly life for him. Bunker down. There's a steadfastness. There's an endurance of perseverance. I am with the Lord. The Lord is with me. And his spirit has given me everything I need to live this life for him. And as I was putting this together. And I was looking at it. I was like, man, you know what? This Christian life is looking pretty awesome. Don't you just love the Christian life? I love being a Christian. Because I think about some of the things I've done. But the old is gone. The new has come. It's new. It's new. So many people just struggling. Still holding the chains and the baggage and the luggage from the past into something that's meant to be new. And I just want to say, if you're not a Christian here this morning, you can leave here today as one. If you want a new life, Christ wants that for you too. <laughs> he does. He, he really loves you. <clears throat> or maybe you've professed with your mouth that you're a Christian. But if you're honest, and here I can't be judging you here on this. No one knows but yourself. But maybe you've given it lip service, but you've never truly believed it in your heart. You've never truly followed Jesus as a disciple. You can change all that today by truly believing in Him. Allowing His Holy Spirit to wash over you, receiving all that He would have for you. You can do that today. I just love, the, again, with that boy yesterday, I love the fact that you can get in the car and be forever changed. Like, forever changed. The old is gone, the new has come. If you want to have that relationship with God, if you want to have the Holy Spirit speaking to you, in you, and through you, that can happen today. You can walk out of here agreeing with First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, that says, I've been born again. Not to a life that's going to quickly end, but to a life, a new life, that's going to last forever. Because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. If anybody wants that this morning, and I'm not going to say who it is or who it isn't, that's up to you. But if anyone wants that this morning, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to lead you in a prayer, a sinner's prayer, to receive the gift of eternal life and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Talking about new life. We've been born again. And with this kind of news, with these truths residing in your gut as a Christian, I don't know about you, but these truths, they just compel you. You can't sit on the sidelines any longer. 
Right? You've you got to get in the game. With these kind of truths residing within you, you can't just sit and do nothing. I mean, you can, but you're going to be miserable. Anyone ever try that? Where you're continually having to say no to God? Continually saying no to the life that God has called you to? And by the way, saying no to God is not the abundant life that He has called you to. By the way, saying no to God is actually an exhausting life, a depressing life of continually choosing less than what God has created for you. So again, as Christians, when we become Christians, we decide to follow hard after the Lord. Everything changes. Old is gone. New has come. And now by the Holy Spirit, we're being changed every day. I was thinking about that. I've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit today. And sometimes I just assume that people are with me. But if we're just to come to a place of Understanding, some of you maybe have never heard of the Holy Spirit before, so um, I love him. A lot of us love him, so I wanted to introduce you to him today. He's incredible. Just listen to a couple of these verses. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. For the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In John 16, Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Romans 15:13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I want to read that again. It says by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The power of the Holy Spirit gives us hope. I know a lot of people without hope these days. You want hope? I mean hope is lacking in the world these days. You want hope? Then allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life. If your heart is broken, allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Ezekiel, he prophesies about the days when the Holy Spirit will be poured out. And this is what he says. This is for you. This isn't just for the person to your left or to your right. This is for you this morning. And I will give you a new heart. Do you hear the new? (laughs) A new heart. A new spirit. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's powerful. Did you catch that? It says the Spirit gives us the ability to walk in the ways of the Lord and the ability to obey the Lord's commands. Lord, I can't do what you're calling me to do. Have you ever been there? Lord, you're, you're, you're saying all these things. I can't do it. Well, yeah, you can't do it. But who can? The Holy Spirit working in you and through you. Again, to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is impossible. It's depressing. It's discouraging. But with the Holy Spirit within you, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. First, and then Peter, he quotes the prophet Joel, Acts chapter 2. He says, In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Just saying the Holy Spirit's for everybody. It doesn't work on a class system. It doesn't work on a race system. The Holy Spirit is for everybody. He wants to pour Himself out on everybody. So many more verses that I could read. I just hope you can see, again, I, just as simple today as I can get, that this life and adventure begins when you become a Christian and you receive the Holy Spirit. It's not just a get-out-of-hell-free you know, card or whatever or sign up for a lifeless and worthless uh, and powerless religion. It's just the 
you got to get past that. you got to move beyond that. It is the beginning of a journey that changes you from the inside out where every day becomes one more opportunity to become like Jesus Christ. Always growing, always walking with the Lord, always becoming more like Jesus every day, every day, every day, transformed, conformed to the image of Christ. This amazing life, amazing adventure that we have the privilege of living. And at this point, just so you know, I had another three, four pages of notes. And things I wanted to say, but as I was putting this together, about, especially about the Holy Spirit and all the newness that comes by the Holy Spirit, I couldn't stop thinking about this one individual. This guy, he's a redhead, um, pretty good-looking guy, Sean Milhorn. He has this incredible story of newness, incredible story of having a relationship with God and receiving the fullness of His Holy Spirit. It's a story that has to be shared. You will be encouraged. So would you please welcome up to the stage, Sean Milhorn. I've had a lot of opportunity to talk to um, Ray Wright. And... um, recently and he says that the holy spirit is not boisterous <laughs> but i am <laughs> and i'm so excited i actually um I, yeah i don't even know how to say it. when pastor dan asked me to speak it was of course yes of course of course i'm so excited and i'm not sure exactly what's important to say what you guys need to hear so i'm just going to tell my story and i'm going to be extremely emotional and that's just it's just the way it is. Because the thing is, is that I don't know how I've come across and how much you guys know me, how many people know me. Um, I try to come across as pretty business-like, professional, pretty strong. But the truth is, is I've been in a boiling cauldron inside for years. And a lot of it stems from just the way I was raised. Um, my parents are, where, are with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Um, as missionaries, we um, never were able to go overseas because of my mom's health issues, chronic health issues. Um, and we spent my summers as a kid driving around throughout the entire U.S. I've driven cross-country trips I don't know how many times. I've been in every state multiple times. Just We raise support is what we called it. Um, I call it fundraising. Um, and it's amazing how stingy Christians are. It's amazing how rude and arrogant pastors are. Um, and there was more than once when we were in want for just a few bucks, just for some more oatmeal and more rice, more milk. Um, I'm the youngest of four kids. Um, and for me, being the youngest of four, I um, did not have much sense of self. Um, I didn't have a state. I didn't have a home. I grew up moving around. Um, all I had was my family, and even there, I was pretty limited. And so Christianity became my identity. I dove into it. High school, I went to a Christian high school, and I became the Christian. Um, my senior year, I won an award for being the most Christ-like student, um, and it was, well, I'm a pretty good actor, I guess. <laughs> but my big thing is is that, um, well, and shortly after that, I went to uh, Moody Bible Institute, and um, I quit after a year, um, and that's actually pretty much where I lost all sense of lying anymore. And I decided to be honest, and I realized that I was extremely 
was extremely angry. Because at the end of the day, we can talk about Jesus, but most people talk about Jesus in relation to sin or heaven. And sin, if we're saved and we believe in being saved, that was through an act that happened thousands of years ago. And so that's, what does that have to do with today? And so the people that are crying, the people that are in need. It's going to be like this the whole time. Um, The amount of pain that is out there for the individual. Where is Jesus? And the thing is, is the Bible talks about Jesus like he's available today. I've heard pastors talk about him like he's available today. And so, anyways, throughout the course, I did lose my faith. I walked away from God on purpose. Um, I did tell him that I will never say out loud that I don't believe you exist, but beyond that, I don't really care. Um, The crazy thing is, is he wasn't having it. Um, I ended up taking a history of religions class at the University of Arizona, and it put me at least looking at God. And I started there, and I decided that it's okay. I decided to choose that it's okay to believe in a God. And then I had a youth pastor. I was, of course, out of youth group anymore. But I had this youth pastor, and she's like, yeah, that's all fine, well, and good, but what do you do about the problem of Jesus? And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, she's like, well, what is the difference between all the religions, and what does Jesus have to do with it? And, like, she wouldn't talk about it anymore. She didn't want to tell me. She wanted me to figure it out. And I appreciate that. And it did come down to the fact that I'm lazy. I don't want to have to work for my salvation. I really don't. And the thing is, is that Christianity really is about believing in Jesus. And that if you believe, we're no longer condemned. It's forgiven and it's forgotten. And that became extremely clear to me. Um, It's funny, like I read through the Old Testament and I see that when um, a lot of the... um, Patriarchs were traveling from place to place. Anytime God got involved, they would build a pile of stones um, so that the story would, you know, continue. They would build an altar. They would build a marker, um, and the story continued. Well, for me, it became. Hopefully, this doesn't offend too many people, but um, I started telling my own story with um, my own tattoos. And during this time, I ended up getting a tattoo. And a couple months later, I ended up doing one of the worst things I've ever done in my life and hurt some very, very important people in my life. And yet the thing was is that it was in the time that Jesus actually said, this one's mine. You don't get to do anything with him. And that was actually when I can say I first started believing in Jesus. But that was it. That's where it stopped at my forgiveness. And that was, I don't know, 15 years ago plus. It's been a long road. And the lack of Jesus... The evidence of Jesus in a daily manner has driven me crazy. And the anger, I mean, I dealt with it as much as I could. You know, I kept it bottled up. I was a nice guy, pretty professional. I can put on the face. I've worked in law firms, sold insurance. I can pretty up when the time is right. Most of the time I work construction. Um, I have my own business now. But when I got here, I came and I um, was able to have conversations with Pastor Dan, which was just lovely. Um, not always for him. But what I appreciate about him, and I told him not too long ago, was that one thing I appreciate about him is, is that he didn't talk about God. 
um, from the point of view of formulas. If you do this, this, and this, then God will show up in your life. It wasn't on me. It wasn't my responsibility. And he also didn't preach from a self-help point of view. He never does that I can see. He really is just a matter of Jesus. And the thing is, is what I know now, <laughs> well, yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense. <laughs> and I really did kind of want to just get up here and just say, Jesus, 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 and then just let the rest of that happen because I don't, anyways. Back to the story. <laughs> but so much of it through my life is, is that even after I made the decision to say I believe in Jesus' forgiveness and I believe in God, I still needed Jesus to show up, and I needed Jesus to show up in the people's lives of the people I cared about. And it seems like, you know, in the Bible it says that the rain falls on both the righteous and the unrighteous at the same time. And yet it seems like some of the people who actually take a step out and actually devote their lives to serving God, they have their own personal tornadoes that just keep coming back and coming back, and they'll get a reprieve and it comes back. And it's just like, (laughs) well, if that's what Jesus has to offer, then I won't say what I'm really thinking, but yeah, um, I'm not interested. But over the, I mean, the whole thing is, like I said, with my tattoos, you know, I've had, for me, they represent a conversation with God, a commitment, because a tattoo is permanent. And they represent the conversation. And part of our conversations with Pastor Dan, you know, we were going through um, the four square, what we believe, and he started talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. And that's, again, where I was very much so like, well, okay, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And, of course, his answer to that was Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Frustrating. Um, but the thing is, is that through our conversations, and we did get some one-on-one, I realized that my conversation, what I was saying to Jesus, it was more, again, just that I don't want it. And it was I'd never really stepped out and, um, and said in front of anybody. It was all just kind of quiet. Um, if you've seen me in before when I was singing, I didn't really sing unless it was some good old hymn from our days when we used to go to Southern Baptist churches and, you know, get up the good old hymns where be careful how loud you clap type thing but I love them I love the hymns but that was about as much singing as I did and the rest of the time I spent with my hands in my pocket and my arms folded because I could not be honest and sing the words I could not because the stuff that's talked about in songs about Jesus showing up and I mean unless you're talking about salvation it's meaningless he either shows up or he doesn't and for me and for the people I loved he didn't from my perspective so anyways, we got to talking. My conversation with God was a little light on my end. I mean, I was talking a lot. I was praying a lot. And he would show up. He would teach me different things here and there. But when Pastor Dan offered to do baptisms not too long ago, I realized that I hadn't. But since I actually made the commitment as an adult, as a man, to accept Jesus, I hadn't been baptized. I had when I was five years old. It was a fun swim, you know. It hadn't really meant anything. The funny thing was is I had only told Pastor Dan that I wanted to get baptized. I asked him to do it. And thankfully, Marcy and Ray, who are my family for more reasons than just blood, they couldn't keep their mouth shut. They started telling everybody. And I was actually thinking about backing out um, the day of, and I walked in the door and so many people came up to me and said, congratulations, we're excited for you. And I was like, oh, okay, like, 
for me, again, it wasn't about anybody else. It wasn't, I don't really care what you guys have to say. <laughs> Sorry, no offense. But for me, this really is so much, was so much about what am I saying to God? Am I willing to actually say that in front of people that I believe, that today I believe? And so <laughs> I feel bad, my great aunt, who's Marcy's mom, who's been more of a grandmother to me than or anybody. I forgot to invite her, and Marcy did, and I'm so grateful for that. Anyway, so I had the baptism, and I've been told that it was a powerful experience for more people than just me, and it's great. You know, I'm, I'm happy that that was true, but for me, it really was just about emptying out, and in the water, it wasn't like something really amazing happened. It just I felt more empty, and it was funny, like, I will raise my hands in front of you. I will actually stand for you, at least in front of you, in front of other people. And then we had a guest speaker, of course, and he was talking about healing, and I just, I knew still that I needed Pastor Dan to pray for me. And I don't know why God kept saying, Pastor Dan, there's plenty of people here who have shown God's love to me, who have given me hugs, and who have been family to me. (laughs) But when the guest speaker asked if anybody wanted to come up for healing, for prayer, I made a beeline from the back and made sure I came all the way over and grabbed Pastor Dan. Because I don't really, I didn't need healing. I just needed Jesus. Yeah, this is going to be a hard part to get through. A couple weeks, almost a month before um, this whole experience, I'd had a dream where I was standing on one side of a wall. And it went up to the sky. It was smooth. I couldn't see it. I could see the individual blocks. I could still describe it. I could draw it out. It was smooth. There was no way for me to get over it. And all I know is, is that Jesus was on the other side of that fall. And when I woke up, I told myself, I don't care what it takes, that I will get through that wall. I'll break it down, and I will get Jesus one way or the other. But I knew that it was impenetrable in its own way, and I didn't care, even if I just made a pinhole just where I could see him, because that was all that mattered. So when I came over and Pastor Dan prayed for me, I was like, I'm going to start on my knees, because if this God really is going to show up, then I'm going to start on my knees, and he's going to lift me up. And so I prayed. And Pastor Dan, a couple of things that he prayed for was one that he would tattoo, God's, God would tattoo his love on my heart and on my mind. And then he said that, <laughs> he said, may you break down all the walls that Sean has. And at that time, I saw Jesus. And life was with him. I saw life, and Jesus was a source, and it was surrounding him like an army. It's formless. It's, I can't even describe it. I couldn't describe Jesus. And all I could say was, I've missed you. There you are. And he said, here I am. He hasn't answered my questions. He hasn't satisfied the cravings I've had. He hasn't made me perfect. But I saw Jesus. (laughs) And I didn't want to open my eyes and lose sight of him. And so I just started saying it out loud. I see Jesus. I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And so many people had their hands on me that I couldn't tell if Pastor Dan was there. And I started thinking, well, I'd reach out and grab him and tell him. And then I realized that when you have your eyes closed at the front of the church that you really shouldn't start reaching out and grab blindly. 
So thankfully, I heard him praying somewhere else and realized. But since then, since then, this is talking about being, Pastor Dan's talked about being a sun ripened. What happens after? What happens? And, um, you know, I have a bunch planned out to say one of the simple things. He challenged me to come up with how would I describe it in one sentence or less? What happened to me? How would you kneel down your recent transformation? And I really could go on for a long time talking about it. I put, I told him, best effort. Jesus revealed his love to me and turned it into a spring of living water I simply can't contain. And the thing is, is that talking about the evidence of the Spirit, you know, some things that, I mean, he's given me words of knowledge for people, and they turn out to be confirmations. The people I don't know, I, that don't know me. He's had me do a lot of things that, I never thought was possible, even the speaking in tongues. It was so wonderful. Um, Pastor Ray popped it out of me like popping a cork off a champagne. It was awesome. And I still, like, I love it. And I'm not, you know, it was just good. (laughs) But a couple things I know that Jesus wants me to do is one is speak, which is why today for me wasn't of course type thing. And I'm not sure I'm any good. I don't really care. At the end of the day, it can only be Jesus. And if he speaks, then that's good if he shows up. My thing is, is I also need to encourage to lift up my leaders. And I'm in the youth group. And, of course, Cameron, you know, and all the others, and Pastor Dan, Pastor Randy, all the people who lead here, it's my job to serve them and to lift up. I don't know really fully what's next. I know that I, like Pastor Dan talked about last week, was it's time to commit. And I'm so excited about committing, and I'm so excited about this trip I'm about to take, um, driving the bus out, because I want to really spend a week just listening and just seeing that he's going to say, I want you to commit here. And I don't mean here, but whether it's here, whether it's anywhere, it could be gone, it could be, I don't care. I just want to commit, and I want to make that step. And um, I was talking with, um, I have three verses I want to go over, the three verses that matter to me. Um, We've all heard them. We've all read them. If you've spent much time in church, most pastors go over these repeatedly. Um, first one is Matthew nine thirty six through 38. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, I beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And, of course, how many times have you heard that? Oh, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And it's a good metaphor, and it's good whatever. (laughs) But I think we skipped the first bit. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they they were distressed and dispirited. Dispirited. Who knew Jesus would talk about me there for so many years, and yet now I know his heart is for me, and his heart is for you, and he cares. And it's even more why I I break out now when I read the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, is because there are times when he's had me speak to individuals, and so far it's been mostly individuals in the youth group, the leadership and I'm so excited about that. But he gives me a taste of his love for that individual. And I'm so overwhelmed. I can't contain it. 
because I love him so dearly in ways that I never thought was possible. <laughs> the next one is Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. I'm ready to commit. But let's not miss what just happened here. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Hey, who wants to go? And I love Isaiah's response if you look at the punctuation. He's sitting there, it's like almost like a ooh, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me, send me. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. I don't know where, when. I only have a small idea of who. And that's come a lot with my time working with youth. I'm not super experienced, but I love the kids. And one of the most important verses that I've read since this entire thing, the one that struck me so much is Matthew 21, 15, and 16. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus had done and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. (laughs) Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have prepared? praise for yourself and the thing is is that they became indignant and if you're old if you're uptight and you become indignant at a child (laughs) beware (laughs) and I love it because his answer is they said do you hear what they're saying and he says yes semicolon if it was a script it would say yes long pause think about it yes haven't you read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise for yourself? So I'm pretty much done. But I wanted to, these questions, I have four questions for you that I have been asking myself all my life. And they represent the different stages. They represent the different tattoos I have. So the questions from my life, and I hope that they matter to you even a little bit. First one is, is, what do I have to say about the problem of Jesus? What is, why is Christianity any different? The second one is, is I'm a Christian, now what? We're done with the conversation of sin. We've been forgiven. It's been forgotten. We know heaven's coming, but what about now? Where is Jesus? And that's the next question. This is, where is Jesus today? And I don't have to ask that for the political situation in our country or any other country. It's just for me for you today because he cares about you and my last one is is this is i hope always going to be my continual question the ever new the ever present where am i at in my conversation with god and i'm so glad that i asked myself that question before i got baptized and i actually said whoa i'm a little bit lacking and i'm so glad that he gave me the courage and told me to actually step up and stand and so from here on out I see Jesus. So this is what we're going to do. Um, the service is officially over. But